Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I'm delighted that we're going to be having a conversation today about meeting the challenge of the great resignation. And my co-host, Andre, uh, Dr. Andre Howard, is here to uh, support us in moderating and going through this uh, dance today. So, uh, Dr. Howard, you want to say a few words? Yeah, thank you, Dr. White. I am so happy and pleased to be with you this uh, afternoon, meeting the challenge of great resignation. So I bring you greetings from Social Current. Um, we are a national organization focused on activating the power of the social sector. So we have about 2,000 or so network partners that really help lift this work across the uh, country and in various communities. So, 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 so pleased to be with you, Dr. White, this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yes, wonderful. Um, Dr. Howard, you'd like to introduce our guest? Yeah, I'm going to just briefly say name and, and organization. And uh, again, we've got a wonderful uh, lineup of uh, folks here who have joined us. Uh, let me start out with uh, Howard Garvell, Principal of Leaders for Futures, uh, LLC in West Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, we have Harry Meir, Encore Fellow, Lad Lake, Dowsman, Wisconsin. Uh, Brenda Smith, Licensed Professional Counselor of Mental Health, Chief Program Officer of Intervention Services with Children and Families First in Delaware, and Dolores Peppers, VP of HR Neighborhood House Association. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you. Maybe we can start by just having each of you share a little bit about yourself so our listening audience has some idea of the perspective you bring. And Howard, why don't we start with you? Okay, Cheryl. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, I'm Howard Garval. I am a master's in social worker master's in social work, social worker, and uh, over 40 years uh, in human services in three great family-serving organizations and started out as a clinical social worker and then became uh, a leader in uh, two great nonprofits um, in Connecticut and Hawaii and was the CEO of those two organizations and retired in 2017, created Leaders for Futures, which is my consulting practice focused on preparing the next generation of nonprofit leaders. And uh, I, through executive coaching and through leadership training. So that, uh, that's a little bit about me. I, I believe very strongly in values-based leadership that leaders need to lead with their values. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Howard. And Harry, how about yourself? Uh, my name, again, is Harry Muir, and um, after about 42 years or so of higher education as a professor teaching graduate-level courses in educational leadership and uh, as a college administrator, I retired in January of 2018 from the University of Wisconsin system as a dean, and uh, at that point in time, um, within a month's time, uh, I was at a meeting And a person said to me, "Uh, you just retired. How would you like to do something else? And I said, sure. So within a month's time, I was working um, at Lad Lake. Uh, Lad Lake is a organization, a nonprofit that works with at-risk youth, ages 8 to 21. Um, We have over 300 employees, and we work with over 1,000 kids a year um, in various developmental stages in in their growth. 
Um, my job when I initially came on board was to work with, to run the volunteer program, the intergenerational volunteer program, uh, working with uh, pairing youth with uh, volunteers that were 50 years or older. And now I run uh, the, the volunteer program as well as the internship program, which is a great match for me because I get to work with all of my university friends and colleagues and, and then at the same time watch the growth of young people who want to be in the social service sector as, as for the careers. So it's, great. It's, a, it's a great thing. And I'd like to echo what Howard said about uh, the core values piece. That is probably the most essential thing. And that's something that I use now that I teach for the Executive Leadership Institute in what's called the Second Acts Program. Mm -hmm. So with that, I look forward to today's conversation. Wonderful. Thank you. And I'm delighted to have both you and Howard here. Howard was the one that pulled me into the Executive Leadership Institute, him being one of the first, you were one of the first uh, in the first class there. Uh, what was that? When was that? Uh, 2002, we graduated. Yeah, wonderful. So great to have you um, back and you're, like I say, introducing me into that space. And I know we both serve on the board together as alumni there. And then Harry, your fabulous Second X um, program was great. And I used the book all the time, although I was probably the worst student in your class. I enjoyed it and gained a lot from it. <laughs> not true, not true. <laughs> uh, and, and Brenda, how about yourself? Want to share a little bit about yourself? Yes, good afternoon. Um, I'm Brenda Smith. I'm here from the great state of Delaware. Um, I currently serve with children and families first, have been in the agency for 18 years. I've served in the human service sector for over 30 years and just working with families. Families is my passion. Um, I still hold a passion for seeing the growth and development of individuals and family. And I believe that if you can equip individuals um, and give them access to tools and resources that'll help them to thrive even when those services are not available. So my trade is a licensed mental health counselor. So I do have a private practice as well. Um, have seen a lot of changes over the years, um, but, but am hopeful that these changes will produce opportunities. So thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Brenda. And Delanda, could we have you share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Delanda Peppers. I'm a local San Diegan, born and raised here in San Diego. I uh, went to San Diego State University. I graduated in economics with a focus in labor economics. I currently serve here at the Neighborhood House Association um, as the Vice President of Human Resources. I've been in this role about five years, so I'm a newbie, um, but strategized um, throughout my um, employment here over 28 years. I started very young, actually was a client in our summer uh, hire youth program. <laughs> so I've actually been here for half of my life. I'm vested <laughs> in the organization. <laughs> That's in the, in the organization is continuum of care model um, going from uh, black infant health, early Head Start, Head Start, uh, a college academy, homework center, um, we're strategizing around a charter school, um, mental health services. We just provide 25 programs that mm -hmm. definitely um, so help support the, the local community in San Diego. 
um, like I said, best in this organization, uh, over 800 employees, a team of 10 individuals. And what has been my biggest challenge recently is COVID-19 and the <laughs> great resignation. And so just happy to be a part of this discussion today. Thank you so much, Dr. White. <laughs> oh, no, thank you so much. Thank you to each of you for being here. Um, Dr. Howard. Yeah, uh, thank you. Let's get this conversation started. So I'm, I'm thinking to myself that the COVID-19 pandemic really uh, set off really nearly an unprecedented um, turnover rate in the U.S. labor market, obviously. You know, widespread job losses, early months of the pandemic really gave way to a very tight labor market in 2021. Uh, I often term it as the great reset. People are beginning to think about what do they want to do with the rest of their lives in terms of being purposeful. Uh, and part of this is driven, uh, again, in part of what's become to known as the great resignation, right? Um, they were citing the fact that the quit rate, um, um, the highest quit rate in the past 20 years was last November, and it was a 20-year high uh, as we think about this great resignation. So just a little bit of context as we think about this discussion. So let me ask you first, Terry, and I'm going to ask all of you the same question. Uh, from your perspective, what is going on in regards to this great resignation from your perspective? Thank you, Andre. Um, you know, I, I think uh, when you look at the statistics and you, and you, and, and you look at the, uh, at the uh, various Gallup polls and so forth are in looking back at 2021, clearly, uh, as you said, Andre, the, uh, the precedent was set early as to people quitting their jobs or leaving their jobs, or in many, many cases, jobs no longer existed, particularly those, those jobs that were basically taken away by the pandemic, the face-to-face -face frontline worker jobs. Um, but what the uh, statistics are also showing and what the surveys are also showing and looking back is the reasons behind, the root causes behind the leaving, the quit rate, the high quit rate, were already there. Um, and without getting into specifics, because I know that we will be talking about those root causes uh, as, we, as we move through this conversation, I just want to say that um, the pandemic was uh, sort of, um, I guess I'll use this as an example. Uh, a lot of us have either had ourselves or we know people that had near-death experiences, personal health experiences, mm -hmm. and came away from those experiences feeling like, I'm going to live my life differently. I'm going to do things differently. They gain a new perspective. I think we're seeing that same thing with the pandemic. Um, people are looking at a point in time that stopped their lives, and we were all forced to rethink the way we're going to live our lives. So I'll, yeah, I'll stop yeah. with that comment. Yeah, great point, Harry. Thank you. I appreciate that. I know we're coming up against the break, but Brenda, let me get you in here in terms of your perspective. What are, what are you thinking related uh, to this? Uh, thank you. I feel that, again, circumstances, I agree with Harry, uh, circumstances and aspirations led folks to find a better way of balance in life. It's like the power of choice. Um, you know, when I was coming up, it was about earning wages. Now it's about finding revenue streams. So the pandemic, uh, I believe, was a catalyst for the shift in thinking. People had to find a way to monitor their children at home while schools were shut down. So I think that drove some more entrepreneurship and, you know, those things that would help the family out. 
Um, it is the great resignation. I think some of it is not so good. And I think some of it had some positive regarding the family. Uh, but I just think it was the power of choice. People decided, as Harry was saying, what path they were going to take. And when it was time to return, you know, folks objected and they were moving along to their newfound way of living, along with the competitive environment it had it's out here. There's more opportunities now. Jobs are not the problem, <laughs> you know? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, do we have uh, maybe one more minute? Can we get uh, Howard in? And then uh, on the other side of the break, we're going to uh, pick up on the line. But Howard, can you respond to that? Yeah, well, you know, I, I think it's been well said already. So I, yeah, I think the uh, clearly a number of people are leaving for better jobs. And uh, it's, a, it's a marketplace in which they can do that and for better pay as well. Um, so I think that's one thing that's really happening. But I, I also agree that, but I think particularly focused more on women, the impact uh, who often are the uh, child care providers and needing to be home with their children who are uh, learning remotely and the challenges of all of that. But it also may have led to some improved family time, uh, which was the upside of all of that right. uh, for, for many families. So uh, uh, really a mixed a mix bag, mi you know, mixed blessing, if you will, um, in all of that. Well, we are up against the break, Dr. White. Um, we're going to return after our break. Again, meeting the challenge of the Great Resignation Great insight already. Uh, on the other side of the break, Delanda, we're going to get you in in terms of your perspective. And thanks for uh, tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing yes. leaders, inspiring solutions. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 619-453-8093. That's 619-453-8093. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness service. It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, get hired into the career you want, and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl White at swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Now, back 
to Leadership Matters. All right, we are back. Andre Howard, good to be back with you. We have started this powerful conversation and we want to continue it. And we left off with uh, just some thoughts around your perspective related to the Great Resignation. And I wanted to get uh, Delonda Peppers in on this uh, um, question as well. What, what's your perspective? What are you thinking in terms of yeah. Great Resignation? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I definitely agree with the, the panelists that spoke before me. A lot of it has to do with uh, COVID-19. And, um, you know, many, in, many individuals, workers, worked from home for more than 18 months. And so they were actually able to better strategize on how they want or like to work moving forward. So now that the opportunity is presenting itself, right, we're really in a a worker's market right now. So there's more opportunities, more opportunities for them to focus more on what their needs are and what's being met for them, their family, um, their health, um, how they like to work, how they want to work. So I definitely agree with everyone uh, so far as it relates to um, the perspective of what is occurring with this great resignation. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. White. Yeah, um, great. Thank you. Great discussion. Brenda, we're going to continue this discussion and asking you, you know, what have you seen with regards to how the great resignation has impacted the nonprofit sector? Wow. I, I think the nonprofit is about serving people in our environment to better the whole. Uh, it can be very difficult providing those quality services when you don't have the bodies to do it. When you don't have the uh, to people or the right fit, I would say, to put in those positions, particularly in this competitive environment. Uh, I know with here, the funders are looking for the same level of outcomes to be produced, but the prevalence of increased funding has not been here. So people are being asked to do more for less where you can shift over to a more corporate environment and get more non-traditional incentives or pay increases, those things that make people happy, you know? Uh, so it, it, what happens is, is when you have the staff shortages, it trickles down because the, the employees that may have a loyalty to their organizations or to the field become burnout because now they're trying to handle the load for the empty spaces that are there that leads to health issues or more resignations because they don't feel like that they can handle it or taking family time away. And I think we've moved from the society where you're working 60 hours a week and getting paid for 37.5. You know, people, again, people just learned a different way. The traditional nine to five is pliable now. We don't have to do it that way. Um, so it has impacted the nonprofit sector uh, because you need people to do the job and you can build technology, you can use technology, but there's still a warmth in serving people. So technology don't have that touch. So, you know, that's that's just my take on that. It has affected the the, the personable part of it because people are being driven to just do more and it, they don't have the energy. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thanks, Brenda. I appreciate your sharing that. Delonda, what are your thoughts? Definitely agree. You know, a lot of our staff, I think, are feeling burnt out. You know, we are we have uh, more vacancies. There are less staff available to um, to do the workload. So we're, we're asking more of others. Others are finding um, other opportunities. You know, maybe I don't want to continue to be a teacher anymore. I want to be able to serve uh, doing something different. Um, 
uh, a lot of it has to do with the pay, you know, the constraints of our budget. Uh, we, we can't, you know, compete with the labor market interest inflation rate. You know, we can maybe our, um, our cost of living is maybe one or two, two percent, you know, labor inflation is about six percent. So um, that's another thing that's kind of impacting um, the nonprofit sector, finding candidates that actually meet the requirements. Right. So uh, background checks, um, the vaccination requirement. A lot of people are turning away from uh, employers that are making that a requirement because we interact with individuals socially. You know, we have to make sure that we have safety measures in place for all employees who um, who serve in our in our programs. Um, another thing that when I actually looked at a, a national council for nonprofit survey, number one reason was salary. Second reason was inability to find childcare. It just like Brenda talked about, it affected childcare for a lot of our staff who are actually come from the same environment that we serve. Um, and so just uh, our, our team strategizing for um, talent. We, we used to be able to go to universities and colleges. There's restrictions for us to even go there to recruit for people graduating from universities. A lot of people were working remotely. Just so many factors have impacted us where we're regaging how to recruit for um, individuals. Thank you, Delanda. Howard, anything you'd add? Yeah, uh, <clears throat> like Harry mentioned earlier about the pandemic, and that certain things were happening even before the pandemic. I think it's really important to point out that the nonprofit sector has been severely challenged for many years, even before the pandemic. Uh, so the challenges have been the lack of adequate reimbursement for services, uh, not being able to offer competitive salaries uh, for direct service staff, they would rather go and work at a McDonald's and get minimum wage, maybe 15 an hour, and not have to deal with the stress and the harder work that serving people in need represents. Um, and so, and then you have funders that don't think that nonprofits have administrative costs. So they don't want to recognize that nonprofits need to get their administrative costs covered to run their organizations. But a for-profit company would expect that their administrative costs would be covered. Not only that, but they would get a profit margin mm -hmm. in any kind of contract they would have with government. So it's really created a perfect storm where this was really structurally a, a significant issue for non the nonprofit sector. And then the pandemic has just exacerbated the problem in a major way. So I have a couple of data points from uh, a Connecticut nonprofit sector study that's brand new, put on by the Alliance for Nonprofit Organizations in Connecticut. 73% of organizations of the large ones that are 1 million and more in revenue, say they see a 73% increased demand for services. And for the smaller nonprofits with less than a million in revenue, they see a 53% increase in demand for services. Uh, but 30, uh, a third of the organizations report staff vacancy rates of 20% or more. Uh, they also report a reduced capacity to serve. Only 25% of large organizations can meet the demand for service, and it's closer to 
uh, 50%, well, 25% of large organizations say they can't meet the demand, and 50% of smaller agencies say they can't meet the demand. 36% of organizations say they can no longer serve everyone who comes to them. And worst of all, 6% have to deny services and have no alternative to offer the people that are in need. So this is a significant uh, impact that uh, nonprofits are experiencing. Mm -hmm. Significant indeed, Harry, thank you that. Yeah, I just second that. And um, from what Delanda and, and Howard said and Brenda, I, um, our, our organization, as I mentioned before, I, I work with both uh, uh, volunteers and the interns, but that means I also work with the people, uh, staff people that end up um, basically needing to supervise, train, whatever, these, these same people. And as I was listening, I was thinking of the number of times when um, I've reached out to a, a potential uh, service area, a program where um, the need is really, really great. Um, they're residential. Um, there has to be direct care given uh, on a 24 seven uh, basis. And yet we've got uh, those staff leaving. So you have managers of units and you have supervisors of units who are working 16 hour days sometimes because if somebody calls in sick and there's no backup uh, or if somebody says I quit and I'm going somewhere and, and that's if they even bother to call sometimes, the, the, then, you, then you've only got one person left and, and that person has to show up. That's the same person that I'm trying to call and contact because I got an intern or someone who might even be able to help, but they can't, they don't have the time to supervise and take, provide those direct care services. So it's, it's a, for nonprofits in particular, where we historically don't pay as high, but it's just not the pay either. It's the stress and the frustration. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Harry. Yeah. Dr. Howard. Yeah, I'm just I, so let me push a little bit. I know we only have a few minutes left before our next break, but I'm thinking we're missing the elephant in the room or maybe the draft in the room. Isn't this about lack of good leaders in these organizations? I mean, the public sector certainly parallels some of what has already been discussed, but isn't this about leaders who are unable to lead during uh, pandemic times and not engaging and providing cultivation and support. Isn't that the real issue uh, at hand here? And anyone can jump in on that one. What, what do you think? I'm, I'm, I'm saying leadership lacks. I, I think Harry brings something up very important. The, the leaders don't have the, the uh, capability or the time to train. And isn't leadership a part of training? Um, so if staffing is down and staffing is short, how do they get that time in there to be able to train those that are coming up <laughs> to possibly, you know, be put in these positions? So people are being put in positions that are not even prepared right. to go in the position. And, and I'd like to throw out too that what one of the things that this is all pointing out. I mean, it's. As it was mentioned earlier, there's both a blessing and a curse of what's going on because it's forcing organizations to examine their culture, organizational culture, which also is about leadership. And um, if, if there's already issues going on related to 
particularly frontline workers not feeling heard or being respected or having family obligations and they're being told that they can't take care of their families. Um, it, it doesn't take very long for that situation, when that situation gets even worse, to force people into making decisions about changing their jobs, even if they enjoy what they're doing or think that they're providing a, a real service because of, 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 the, of the issues going on. So I, both good and bad, I guess, uh, would be that uh, organizations that uh, I'll just say have been, have been able to get by with mediocre leadership or non-responsive leadership, um, they can't anymore. They're not going to survive. And, and so it's really forcing an inward look. Howard, you want to get into that before we break here? Yeah, well, let's come back to this issue because I, I see it uh, quite a bit differently. Um, I just just uh, anecdotally, the leaders I've talked to have done amazing jobs um, with their organizations. But I do agree that if it's a bad culture already, it's probably gotten worse. And it was just the last straw, the pandemic, to say, I got to get out of here. Um, and that that is on the leader. Um but I, I want to offer the, the the other perspective here, too. So okay. we can come right. back to that. <laughs> All right. So there is another perspective, Dr. White. Uh, I, guess I agree. We'll just I, I definitely agree. Yeah. I think uh, this is a this pandemic. Who could have foreseen this? Right. Yeah. And leaders um, not being prepared for such a pandemic. We're trying to find ways to navigate through this. So for me, mm -hmm. I think our leader did an awesome job. Um, and he kept the um, majority of our staff paid over 18 months that we've been out. So kudos to him. I just think yeah. that individuals found other means uh, that meet their needs. They mm -hmm. want to continue on with the remote work situation. Right. So we're going to just put a comma right there because we have to go to commercial break. But when we come back, Delanda, we'll let you share more if you'd like to. And, and definitely want to hear more, Howard, with regards to the other side of that coin that you see as well. So please Stay with us and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 619-453-8093. That's 619-453-8093. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness service. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovating Leadership, co-creating our future with Maureen Metcalf, features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Business. 
when it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl White at swhite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. All right, we are back. What a great discussion. We need to continue this because I think folks thought I was leaning into pointing the finger at bad leaders. Perhaps it might be bad leaders, but I know, uh, Howard, you had a different perspective. I want to make sure we get that in. And Delanda, I'm not sure if you were able to wrap up your thought, too, as well. So I want to be fair to you as well. Howard, what's your other what's your other point? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I think uh, it's interesting because this show is called Leadership Matters. And I think this is a great point that, that leadership matters. So bad leadership matters, good leadership matters. So, and... They have different impacts, obviously. Um, so um, what I wanted to share was that the uh, pandemic has really, is something that probably none of us have faced in our lifetime. So who, who knew what to do? Um, and I think, you know, I, I, I give an example of when the recession hit in 2008, 2009, maybe into 2010, I was CEO of an organization in Hawaii. One of our core programs, the Healthy Start program, lost $4 million in funding. I had to lay off 40 staff. And I had an old mentor who said, you know, it's easy to lead when times are good. Uh, the test of true leadership is when times are tough. Um, and I think some of the silver lining here is that I've, I've talked to a number of leaders who really have adapted uh, to something that was very unknown and, and they have helped uh, their, their leadership teams to make those adaptations. In some ways, it pushed them to be more transparent, more communicative with their staff, uh, really telling staff, you know, telling it like it is, uh, in terms of what the organization was dealing with and that type of thing, reassuring staff, showing greater empathy. Now, the downside is if the pandemic, if we're outside of the pandemic, post-pandemic life, and they forget about doing all those good things. Uh, but for many leaders who've, I think, brought their organizations along beautifully during the pandemic, it's because they really stepped up to greater empathy, to much more communication with their staff, and to really demonstrating how supportive they could be uh, for the workforce uh, that you know that they were dealing with. Um, so I, th- those are some perspectives here. Sure. Thank you for that, Delanda. Did we finish up with your point? Do you want to dismiss you, Delanda? Sorry, a call was coming through. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I, I pretty much said um, okay. pretty much what I wanted to say. Just wanted to definitely uh, reiterate that our leader, Mr. Rudolph Johnson III, our president and CEO, I felt did a, a tremendous job on sustaining our workforce. We only had to lay off three individuals out of the 
over 800 employees. He provided, you know, COVID-19 testing, free vaccinations. Um, he was looking out for the safety and wellness of employees at all times. So he demonstrated and stepped up to the plate when it came to leading um, our organization in this pandemic. We've been in, in existence for over 108 years, and I, I think we'll be here another 108 years. <laughs> Thank you, Delanda. I'll ditto that. <laughs> yeah, good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Dr. White, what about the public sector? Is that what we want to feast on next as part of this process? I mean, I'm thinking, are there parallels or? You know, I, I think we can just dive right into maybe asking about um, how might leaders actually offer uh, or what suggestions might our panelists offer as relates to leaders that are struggling to retain and recruit um, employees. I think just maybe jumping right there. Okay. How about Brenda? How about you take that on first? Um, I would just say to accept individual choice. And I think um, accepting, being accepting of what is going on right now, um, it's so powerful in and of itself because individuals didn't always have choice. Uh, where there is no opportunity, there is no choice. So we see a positive. There's many opportunities now. I will agree with one of the panelists that said, talked about um, getting feedback. And I feel like we should be open and very ambitious to get feedback from the folks that are doing the work. Um, if you're listening to the ones that are doing the work, you're able to assess um, if you're even moving in the right direction and I like the fact of checking, checking the culture, you know, just getting that, getting the feedback and being okay with making some changes, making some adaptations, because um, I don't believe there's any system that, that's flawless and could use some type of, of, of improvement that may be streamlining uh, some of the service that are provided, you know, building stronger partnerships around which maybe providers that may be doing it better, but it's just accepting that we might not be doing so great right now. Great. So let's build some collaborative partnerships. But I would say just utilize the power of choice and, and accept that for some people, uh, the direction that they're going is what they feel is best for them right now. Sometimes we as leaders make choices from an authoritative role that does not better the whole, you know? just by trying to keep the doors open. That doesn't necessarily keep people in place, you know? Definitely. Definitely. Harry, what would you add to this conversation and disagree with in terms of what Brenda stated? Oh, I agree with everything she stated, so I can't do that. But here's what I can say, and I'll throw this out. Um, I did a lot of, you know, re well, not a lot, but I did some research before this. And and although I'm not a stats guy, I, I like, like to look, you know, we get a... Um, better idea what the numbers are and everything. So, um, a magazine, it's a business magazine called Workplace, did a study um, um, during the beginning of the pandemic up to July of 2021. And what they found is that most of the, uh, the quit rate was attributable to for what we call frontline workers, which makes sense. They're the lowest paid. They're the ones that are direct line stress of uh, uh, dealing with, with customers or clients, depending upon whether you're in the public or the private sector. Um, and, and they went on to say that, um, uh, they went on to say that it costs anywhere from, 
half as much of a salary to twice as much of a salary to replace a worker, not to mention the amount of time of training and assimilating into the culture of the organization. And it goes on from there. But the one thing I did find, and this is, this is why I just want to throw this out, that was really cool, was they also, the Gallup poll that was done at the same time, found that if an employee, if an employee indicated they were engaged with their work and with their supervisor, with another human being at their organization, it took, because a lot of times we hear, oh, you know, they're leaving for a better paying job or they'll leave for a better paying job. It took at least the 25% increase or more over what they were currently making for the engaged employee to leave, to even consider leaving, which I've, I, found, I found really interesting because oftentimes we say it's the pay and it, it really is a lot more about people to people. And last but not least, I want to offer this, that, that in my job at Lad Lake, um, it's sort of a, um, a residual findings, but I, I, I'll throw it out there. We have found that our internship program is the best way to bring talented people in at both the undergraduate and the graduate level. You know, graduate tend to be MSWs and counselors, so they're at the clinical internship level, whereas the undergrads are at the more the youth care worker level. Bring them in. They get to try you out. You get to try them out. We are seeing a marked increase in employing interns uh, mm-hmm. as a result. So just this last um, um, spring semester, as it's winding down, we have 18 interns right now at Lad Lake. And uh, it does keep one busy, however. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Howard, how about you? Yeah, well, I, as others have heard me say before, uh, it's understandable that people are focused so much on recruitment. But uh, it, you can do that at the expense of retention hmm. and really making sure that the people that are there for you, that are working there for you, some of whom have been there for years, really feel, continue to feel supported. And that may be done in different ways. So it's not always pay. Although if there are ways to do retention bonuses, if you can't do salary increases as much, that's an alternative. Uh, But it can be flexibility, especially now in this pandemic world. Uh, It can be increased time off. It can be increased training opportunities, but focusing on how do we make this workplace the most supportive and healthy and really the best place to work is going to be a major step in retaining. But then those same employees, give them a a referral bonus if they bring someone in uh, to, to come to work for the organization, because they're, the, they're, your, they're your best ambassadors. So, Wanda, I know we're coming up against a break. I'm going to get you in a little bit. What's your thoughts on this? I actually agree with everything Howard uh, has said. Is that some of those things are actually listed here, right? We definitely want to increase our recruiting team, right, to help them to strategize talent. We definitely want to seek, you know, um, um, incentives for our employees, you know, um, um, incentives for them to stay. Um, incentives for them to recruit for vacancies um, and also, you know, stay interviews. Why do you stay with us? Why are you continuing to stay with our organization? Would you be willing to go out to a social media platform and put, you know, 
um, some and some information out there to the public as why you you are best in this organization and maybe give them a nice little gift or something of that nature. But definitely, I I, I love what Howard talked about about you know um, investing more in our current employees to 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 keep them from being a part of the great resignation, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I yeah. think Dr. White, we're up against another break here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a little break here. Again, thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. We'll be right back. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 619-453-8093. That's 619-453-8093. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness service. Small businesses are in trouble, and it didn't just start with COVID-19. From the recession several years ago to the revolution of e-commerce giants more recently, small businesses are getting hit hard and need to come back. Tune in to Business Buzz and Business Watch. It's two shows in one, hosted by Frank Hellring. We'll help your small business bounce back with best practices, guest experts, and resources that you can use to strengthen your small business. Listen Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl White at swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we are back with more on Leadership Matters. Have enjoyed this conversation. Thank you to each of you for just sharing your perspectives. This is definitely a unique time for us. Um, and uh, just lots to chew on based on what you've shared. Love to have each of you share maybe some final thoughts. And if you'd like to share anything else that might be coming up that you'd recommend people connect to or how they might connect to you if you would like to share that as well. We would invite you to to do so. And I'll say, Howard, why don't we start with you? Okay, Cheryl. Um, thank you all to uh, thank you to the panel, but also thank you all to our listeners. Um, I uh, there's a quote that I found from this Connecticut nonprofits uh, study that I uh, mentioned earlier. Um, And I think it speaks to the new normal. We don't have to bring people in to do paperwork now. We use the office to collaborate and socialize and bring connectivity. Mm. And where the 
remote virtual workplace has left something to be desired. And I think Brenda touched on that earlier. Is that human touch, that, that need for human interaction. And that's one uh, quote that I thought was really right on target. And I think uh, they're gonna need to be a real look at new models of the workplace, hybrid models, uh, remote work models, um, and, and yet there are programs that our organizations provide where that's not possible, residential programs. How do we manage uh, the difference in our programs and the staff and what's required of staff so that there's a sense of equity, fairness? How do we balance all of that? And what do we do with physical space now? We won't need as much physical space. These are, uh, these are more questions, I think, for the future. But I do think that coming out of a recession that I mentioned earlier, I think our organization was more resilient. Mm -hmm. And I think good leaders have brought their organizations through this pandemic and that the organizations will be more resilient going forward. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thanks, Howard. Gary, how about yourself? Final thoughts? I do. And it's uh, in, in support, basically, what Howard just said, you know, that famous Winston Churchill quote, another quote, um, don't let a good crisis go to waste. Um, <laughs> there's so many things you can do now as an organization that you could never have gotten away with before or that you would never thought possible before. And yes, there's a lot of bad that's happened as a result. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to be Pollyannish, but I'll say this. We can't overemphasize the need for effective and good leadership at the senior mm -hmm. level, at the junior level, at the rising levels of our organizations. We mm -hmm. really need to promote that. And I'm going to put in a, a, um, a terrible plug for Executive Leadership Institute. Mm -hmm. But you've got some great mentors that, that, can, that can ride alongside of your leaders in your organizations and, and who have gone through a lot of this and that can help them along the way. And, put, and also for with the mentees or the younger leadership rising within organizations. Now is the time to invest in people. Uh, if nothing else out of this pandemic, we've learned we really need to invest in our people. Wonderful. Thank you, Harry. Now say that's uh, Social Current. Uh, what's the website there? Um, yep, social-current.org. Social yes, and that's where you'll find what Harry was referring to as the leadership, Executive Leadership Institute. And uh, definitely a fabulous institute, and I'm a graduate and was referred by Howard, and Brenda is currently in the program, so we definitely would support that as well. Thanks for bringing that to the forefront, um, Harry. Final thoughts from, let's say, Brenda. Just quickly, just to encourage leaders and everyone to just remain more open-minded around all of this and be willing to, to try something different. You can look at it from two different perspectives. You can either look at it catastrophically, <laughs> immobilizing um, organization and businesses, or you can look at it as an opportunity to assess what our current practices are. And if they're indeed outdated, uh, to really look at those interventions that may appeal to those that are not willing to settle for, this is what we've always done, and we don't want to do anything different. So thank you for having me on. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us. And Alanda. Yes, a silver lining is this has been an opportunity for change, um, definitely to, to kind of reset 
you know, things or processes that we currently have in place to revamp those things, streamline processes, engage employees, benefits offered, redefine work schedules, just an all-around opportunity to strive to be better. Um, thank you so much for this opportunity, Dr. White. Thank you to the panelists here. I, I've, it's, it's actually admirable to be with all of you, with all your experience and guidance. I've taken a lot of great nuggets today. So thank you so much, listeners. Um, thank you. Yes, thank you, Delana. You've been our heavy lifter, keeping us all going forward at Neighborhood House, along with our CEO, uh, Mr. Rudolph Johnson. You guys done a fabulous job and hats off to you. And thank you also for just finding time while you're juggling everything else to join us today. Andre, to you. Yeah. What can I say? What a panel. Can we take these folks in a row with us? I mean, wow. <laughs> this is exciting. This discussion. Can I, can I just say one thing about sure, a, a book to recommend to all yes. of you if you haven't read it yet? It's called Think Again by mm -hmm. Adam Grant. Uh, and I think it's a, a really worthwhile pursuit to think again uh, as we move into the future. Wonderful. Yeah. And I've got nothing add to add to this discussion. I want to encourage folks to continue these discussions. I just want to remind folks, and I think it's been said here amongst the panelists, that people are living in this emotional zone right now. And so making sure that we take some time as leaders to truly invest um, in, in our team and making sure they get developed, they feel supported, they feel cultivated, uh, they want to be magnificent. So for us as leaders, let's continue to lift them up. And Dr. White, always a pleasure to be with you as well. Yeah, definitely always a pleasure. And what speaks to my heart as you say that, Andre, I always like to emphasize the importance of compassion, love, and action. And I think we certainly need as much as we can. Uh, we need that, that self-compassion as well as that compassion toward others uh, during this time. And I think it was AT&T that had that tagline, Harry, as you were speaking, it made me think of, and that was the rethink possible. <laughs> this is probably a great time to rethink possible. Yeah. So we want to, again, I want to thank all of our panelists for being with us yes. today. Yes. Um, Dr. Andre Howard, it is always a joy and a pleasure to partner with you. Yes. And thank you to our listening audience. Please join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.